0: Section 25 of The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise and Fall of the Confederate Government, Volume 2 by Jefferson Davis. Part 4, Chapter 39A. Chapter 39A. Advance of General E. K. Smith. Advance of General Bragg, Retreat of General Buell to Louisville, Battle at Perryville, Kentucky, General Morgan at Hartsville, Advance of General Rosecrans, Battle of Murfreesboro, General Van Dorn and General Price, Battle at Iuka; General Van Dorn, Battle of Corinth, General Little, Captures at Holy Springs, Retreat of Grant to Memphis, Operations against Vicksburg, the Canal, CONCENTRATION, RAID OF GRIERSON, ATTACK NEAR PORT GIBSON, ORDERS OF GENERAL JOHNSTON, REPLY OF GENERAL PEMBERTON, BAKER'S CREEK, BIG BLACK BRIDGE, RETREAT TO VICKSBURG, SIEGE, SURRENDER, LOSSES, SURRENDER OF PORT HUDSON, SOME MOVEMENTS FOR ITS RELIEF. OPERATIONS IN THE WEST NOW CLAIM ATTENTION. GENERAL BRAGG, SOON AFTER TAKING COMMAND, as has been previously stated, advanced from Tupelo and occupied Chattanooga. Meantime, General E. K. Smith with his force held Knoxville in East Tennessee. Subsequently, in August, he moved toward Kentucky and entered that state through Big Creek Gap, some twenty miles south of Cumberland Gap. After several small and successful affairs, he reached Richmond in the afternoon of August 30th. Here a force of the enemy had been collected to check his progress, but it was speedily routed, with the loss of some hundred killed and several thousand made prisoners, and a large number of small arms, artillery, and wagons were captured. Lexington was next occupied. Thence he advanced to Frankfurt, and, moving forward toward the Ohio River, a great alarm was created in Cincinnati, then so little prepared for defense that, had his campaign been an independent one, he probably could and would have crossed the Ohio and captured that city. His division was but the advance of General Bragg's, and his duty to cooperate with it was a sufficient reason for not attempting so important a movement. General Bragg marched from Chattanooga on September 5th, and, without serious opposition, entered Kentucky by the eastern route, thus passing to the rear of General Buell in Middle Tennessee, who, becoming concerned for his line of communication with Nashville and Louisville, and especially for the safety of the latter city, collected all his force and retreated rapidly to Louisville. This was a brilliant piece of strategy on the part of General Bragg, by which he maneuvered the foe out of a large and, to us, important territory. By it, North Alabama and Middle Tennessee were relieved from the presence of the enemy, without necessitating a single engagement. General Buell, in his retreat, followed the line of the railroad from Nashville to Louisville. General Bragg moved more to the eastward, so as to unite with the forces under General E. K. Smith, which was subsequently effected when the Army was withdrawing from Kentucky. On September 18th, General Bragg issued an address to the citizens of Kentucky. Some recruits joined him, and an immense amount of supplies was obtained, which he continued to send to the rear until he withdrew from the state. The enemy, having received reinforcements, as soon as our army began to retire, moved out and pressed so heavily on its rear, under Major General Hardy, that he halted and checked them near Perryville. General Bragg then determined there to give battle. Concentrating three of the divisions of his old command, then under Major General Polk, he directed them to attack on the morning of October 8th. The two armies were formed on opposite sides of the town. The action opened at 12.30 p.m. between the skirmishers and artillery on both sides. Finding the enemy indisposed to advance, General Bragg ordered him to be assailed vigorously the engagement became general soon after and was continued furiously until dark although greatly outnumbered our troops did not hesitate to engage at any odds and though the battle raged with varying fortune our men eventually carried every position and drove the federals about two miles the intervention of night terminated the action our force captured fifteen pieces of artillery, killed one and wounded two brigadier-generals and a very large number of inferior officers and men, estimated at no less than four thousand, and captured four hundred prisoners. Our loss was twenty-five hundred killed, wounded, and missing. Ascertaining that the enemy was heavily reinforced during the night, General Bragg on the next morning withdrew his troops to Harrodsburg, General Smith arrived the next day with most of his forces, and the whole were then withdrawn to Bryantsville, the foe following slowly, but not closely. General Bragg finally took position at Murfreesboro, and the hostile forces concentrated at Nashville, General Buell having been superseded by General Rosecrans. Meantime, on November 30th, General Morgan, with 1,300 men, made an attack on a brigade of the enemy at Hartsville it was found strongly posted on a hill in line of battle our line was formed under fire and the advance was made with great steadiness the enemy was driven from his position through his camps losing a battery of parrot guns and finally hemmed in on the river bank where he surrendered the contest was severe and lasted an hour and a half the prisoners numbered twenty-one hundred Late in the month of December, General Rosecrans commenced his advance from Nashville upon the position of General Bragg at Murfreesboro. His movement began on December 26th by various routes, but such was the activity of our cavalry as to delay him four days in reaching the battlefield, a distance of 26 miles. On the 29th, General Wheeler, with his cavalry brigade, gained the rear of Rosecrans's army, and destroyed several hundreds of wagons loaded with supplies and baggage. After clearing the road, he made a circuit of the enemy and joined our left. Their strength, as we have ascertained, was 65,000 men. The number of fighting men we had on the field on December 31st was 35,000, of which 30,000 were infantry and artillery. Our line was formed about two miles from Murfreesboro, and stretched transversely across Stone River, which was fordable from the Lebanon Pike on the right to the Franklin Road on the left. As General Rosecrans made no demonstration on the 30th, General Bragg determined to begin the conflict early on the morning of the 31st by the advance of his left. The enemy was taken completely by surprise, and his right was steadily driven until his line was thrown entirely back at a right angle to his first position and near to the railroad, along which he had massed reserves. Their resistance after the first surprise was most gallant and obstinate. At night he had been forced from every position except the one on his extreme left, which rested on Stone River, and was strengthened by a concentration of artillery, and now seemed too formidable for assault. On the next day, January 1st, the cannonading opened on the right centre about 8 a.m., and after a short time subsided. The enemy had withdrawn from the advanced position occupied by his left flank. One or two short contests occurred on the 3rd, but his line was unchanged. Our forces had now been in line of battle five days and nights, with little rest, as there were no reserves. Their tents had been packed in the wagons, which were four miles to the rear. The rain was continuous, and the cold severe. Intelligence was received that heavy reinforcements were coming to Rosecrans by a rapid transfer of all the troops from Kentucky, and for this and the reasons before stated, General Bragg decided to fall back to Tullahoma, and the army was withdrawn in good order in the series of engagements near murfreesboro we captured over six thousand prisoners thirty pieces of artillery six thousand small arms a number of ambulances horses and mules and a large amount of other property our losses exceeded ten thousand and that of the enemy was estimated at over twenty five thousand after the battle of shiloh west tennessee and north mississippi were occupied by a force under general grant subsequently this force was increased and general rosecrans assigned to its command many positions were held in west tennessee and north mississippi extending from memphis to the northeastern part of the state of mississippi with garrisons aggregating about forty-two thousand men the most important of these positions was that of the fortified town of corinth as part of the plan to subjugate the southwestern states extensive preparations were made for an advance through Mississippi and an attack on Vicksburg by combined land and naval forces. A large number of troops occupied Middle Tennessee and North Alabama. To defeat their general plan, and to relieve the last-mentioned places of the presence of the enemy, General Bragg moved his army into Kentucky, which by this time the federal government thought it needless to overawe by the presence of garrisons. General Van Dorn and General Price commanded the Confederate troops then in North Mississippi. General Bragg, when he advanced into Kentucky, had left them with instructions to operate against the Federals in that region, and especially to guard against their junction with Buell in Middle Tennessee. Though Van Dorn was superior in rank, he had no power to command General Price unless they should happen to join in the field and do duty together general price on this as on other occasions manifested his entire willingness to make a junction with his superior officer and about the last of august proposed to general van dorn to join him but at that time van dorn's available force for the field had been sent with general breckinridge in his campaign against baton rouge after that force had rejoined general van dorn he wrote to price inviting him to unite with him that, with their two divisions, they might make an attack upon Corinth, by the capture of which main position of the enemy in that section of the country, he hoped to be subsequently able to drive him from north Mississippi and west Tennessee. Price felt constrained by his instructions to observe, and if possible to prevent Rosecrans's forces in Mississippi from effecting a junction with Buells in Tennessee therefore the invitation was unfortunately postponed to a future time subsequently general price learned that rosecrans was moving to cross the tennessee and join Buell. he therefore marched from tupelo and reached iuca on the nineteenth of september his cavalry advance found the place occupied by a force which retreated toward corinth abandoning a considerable amount of stores on the 24th, Van Dorn renewed in urgent terms his request for Price to come with all his forces to unite with him and make an attack upon Corinth. On the same day, Price received a letter from General Ord, informing him that, quote, Lee's army had been destroyed at Antietam, that, therefore, the rebellion must soon terminate, and that, in order to spare the further effusion of blood, he gave him this opportunity to lay down his arms, Price replied, correcting the rumour about Lee's army, thanked Ord for his kind feeling, and promised to, quote, lay down his arms whenever Mr. Lincoln should acknowledge the independence of the Southern Confederacy, and not sooner, quote. On that night, General Price held a council of war, at which it was agreed on the next morning to fall back and make a junction with Van Dorn, it being now satisfactorily shown that the enemy was holding the line on our left instead of moving to reinforce Buell. The cavalry pickets had reported that a heavy force was moving from the south toward Iuca on the Jacinto Road, to meet which General Little had advanced with his Missouri Brigade, an Arkansas Battalion, the 3rd Louisiana Infantry, and the Texas Legion. It proved to be a force commanded by General Rosecrans in person. A bloody contest ensued, and the latter was driven back with a loss of nine guns. Our own loss was very serious. General Murray states that the 3rd Louisiana Regiment lost half its men, that Whitfield's Legion suffered heavily, and adds that these two regiments and the Arkansas Battalion of about a hundred men had charged and captured the enemy's guns. In this action General Henry Little fell, an officer of extraordinary merit, distinguished on many fields, and then whom there was none whose loss could have been more deeply felt by his Missouri brigade, as well as by the whole army, whose admiration he had so often attracted by gallantry and good conduct. It was afterward ascertained that this movement of rosecrans was intended to be made in concert with one by Grant moving from the west, but the former had been beaten before the latter arrived. Before dawn, Price moved to make the proposed junction with Van Dorn, which was effected at Ripley on the twenty eighth of September, at which time Van Dorn in his report says quote, Field returns showed my strength to be about twenty two thousand. Rosecrans at Corinth had about fifteen thousand, with about eight thousand additional men at outposts from twelve to fifteen miles distant. End quote in addition to this force the enemy had at memphis under sherman about six thousand men at bolivar under ord about eight thousand at jackson tennessee under grant about three thousand at bridges and less important points two thousand or three thousand making an aggregate of forty-two thousand in west tennessee and north mississippi corinth though the strongest was from its salient position the point it was most feasible to attack, and, under the circumstances, the most important to gain. Van Dorn, therefore, decided to move so rapidly upon it as to take it by surprise, and endeavour to capture it before reinforcements could arrive. In a previous chapter, notice has been taken of the character and conduct of General Price. Here it is proposed in like manner to say something of General Van Dorn, rendered the more appropriate because of the criticism to which his attack upon corinth has been subjected he was an educated soldier had served with marked distinction in the war with mexico indeed had been quite as often noticed in official reports for gallantry and good conduct as any officer who served in that war after its close he had served on the western frontier and in indian warfare exhibited a like activity and daring as that shown in the greater battles with mexico immediately on the secession of his native state mississippi he resigned from the united states army and together with his veteran commander in texas general twiggs commenced recruiting men for the anticipated war he was among the first to leave the service of the united states and came to offer his sword to mississippi in the military organization there authorized he was appointed a brigadier-general and when the state troops were transferred to the confederacy he entered its service gentle as he was brave and generous freely sharing all the dangers and privations to which his troops were subjected he possessed like his associate price both the confidence and affection of his men. Without entering into details of the disposition of his troops in the attack on the works at Corinth, the result shows that they were very skillfully made, and, though final success did not crown the effort, the failure was due to other causes than the defect of plan or want of energy and personal effort on the part of Van Dorn. His opponent, Rosecrans, was an engineer of high ability, and proved himself one of the best generals in the United States Army. He had materially strengthened the works around Corinth, and had interposed every possible obstacle to an assault. Our army had moved rapidly from Ripley, its point of junction, had cut the railroad between Corinth and Jackson, Tennessee, and at daybreak on the 3rd of March was deployed for attack. By ten o'clock our force confronted the enemy inside his entrenchments, in half an hour the whole line of outer works was carried, the obstructions passed, and the battle opened in earnest. The foe, obstinately disputing every point, was finally driven from his second line of detached works, and at sunset had retreated to the innermost lines. The battle had been mainly fought by Price's division on our left. The troops had made a quick march of ten miles over dusty roads without water, the line of battle had been formed in forests with undergrowth the combats of the day had been so severe that general price thought his troops unequal to further exertion on that day and it was decided to wait until morning of this general van dorn says quote, i saw with regret the sun sink behind the horizon as the last shot of our sharpshooters followed the retreating foe into their innermost lines one more hour of daylight and victory would have soothed our grief for the loss of the gallant dead who sleep on that lost but not dishonored field during the night batteries were put into position to open on the town at four a m at daybreak the action was to begin on the left to be immediately followed by an advance on the extreme right the order was not executed the commander of the wing which was to make the attack failed to do so and another officer was sent to take his place in the meantime the centre became engaged and the action extended to the left the plan had been disarranged nevertheless the centre and left pushed forward and planted their colours on the last stronghold of the enemy his quote, heavy guns were silenced and all seemed about to be ended when a heavy fire from fresh troops that had succeeded in reaching Corinth was poured into our thin ranks, end quote. and with this combined assault on Price's exhausted corps, which had sustained the whole conflict, those gallant troops were driven back. The day was lost, the enemy, reinforced, was concentrated against our left, and Lovell's division, which was at this time advancing, pursuant to orders, and was on the point of assaulting the works, was ordered to move to the left to prevent a sortie, and cover their retreat. Our army retired during the day to Chihuahua without pursuit, and rested for the night free from molestation. Our loss was very heavy of gallant men and officers. In the fierce conflicts the officers displayed not only daring, but high military skill, their impetuous charges being marked by judicious selection of time and place colonel william s berry who was commander of the burial party visited general rosecrans was courteously received by that officer who while declining to admit the command within his lines sent assurance to general van dorn that quote, every becoming respect should be shown to his dead and wounded he had the grave of colonel rogers who led the second texas sharpshooters enclosed and marked with a slab in respect to the gallantry of his charge Rogers fell before Gates called on me to reinforce him on the edge of the ditch of Battery Robinette. This officer, W.P. Rogers, was a captain in the 1st Regiment of Mississippi Rifles in the war with Mexico, and the gallantry which attracted the admiration of the enemy at Corinth was in keeping with the character he acquired in the former service referred to. Of this retreat, that able officer and military critic, General Dabney H. Morey, in a contribution to the Annals of the War, wrote, quote, "'Few commanders have ever been so beset as Van Dorn was in the forks of the Hatchie, and very few would have extricated a beaten army as he did then. One, with a force stated at ten thousand men, headed him at the Hatchie Bridge.' while rosecrans with twenty thousand men was attacking his rear at the tuscumbia bridge only five miles off the whole road between was occupied by a train of nearly four hundred wagons and a defeated army of about eleven thousand muskets but van dorn was never for a moment dismayed he repulsed ord and punished him severely while he checked rosecrans at the tuscumbia until he could turn his train and army short to the left and cross the Hatchie by the Boneyard Road without the loss of a wagon. End quote. He then moved near Holly Springs, Mississippi, to await farther developments. In the meantime, General Grant massed a heavy force, estimated at eighty thousand men, at various points on the Memphis and Charleston Railroad. Thence he moved south, through the interior of Mississippi, until he encamped near Water Valley the country was teeming with great quantities of breadstuffs and forage and he accumulated an immense depot of supplies at holly springs and hastened every preparation necessary to continue his advance southward unless his progress was arrested the interior of the state its capital jackson vicksburg and its railroads would fall into his possession as we had no force in front sufficient to offer battle our only alternative was to attack his communications. For this purpose, General Van Dorn, on the night of December fifteenth, quietly withdrew our cavalry, amounting to less than twenty five hundred men, from the enemy's front, and marched for Holly Springs. That place was occupied by a brigade of infantry and a portion of the seventh Illinois cavalry. The movement of Van Dorn was so rapid that early on the morning of the nineteenth he surprised and captured the garrison, and before eight o'clock was in quiet possession of the town. The captured property, amounting to millions of dollars, was burned before sunset, with the exception of the small quantity used in arming and equipping his command. General Grant was thus forced to abandon his campaign and to retreat hastily from the State after the battle of murfreesboro which closed in the first days of eighteen sixty three there was a cessation of active operations in that portion of tennessee and attention was concentrated upon the extensive preparations which were in progress for a campaign into mississippi with vicksburg as the objective point the plan as it was developed was for a combined movement by land and river the former passing through the interior of Mississippi to approach Vicksburg in rear, the latter to descend the Mississippi River and attack the city in front. General Pemberton, with the main body of his command, held the position on the Tallahatchie and Yazoo Rivers, and among the various devices to turn that position was one more ingenious than ingenuous. It was an offer to furnish, at prices lower than ruled in our markets, provisions of which we stood in need, to be sent through the Yazoo Pass and transported in boats through to the Yazoo River if we should desire. I had, some time before, directed that cypress rafts, as far as practicable, of sinking timber, should be thrown into the main channel leading down from the Yazoo Pass, and saw that, if it was not the purpose of the proposer, the effect of accepting the proposition would be to open a water-line of approach from the mississippi below memphis then in the hands of the enemy to the interior in rear of vicksburg for that reason i resisted much importunity in favor of allowing the supplies to be brought in that manner in the latter part of december general sherman having descended the mississippi river entered the yazoo with four divisions of land troops and five gunboats the object being to reduce our work at Haines Bluff and turn Vicksburg so as to attack it in rear. The first point at which the range of hills extending from Vicksburg up the Yazoo approaches near to the river is at Haines Bluff, some twenty miles by the course of the Yazoo from the Mississippi River. Here the troops were landed the 26th of December to attack the redoubts which had been built upon the bluff. On the 27th little progress was made, on the 28th, the attempt, by one division, to approach the causeway north of the Chickasaw Bayou was repulsed with heavy loss. The troops were withdrawn and moved down the river to a point below the bayou, there to unite with the rest of the command. At daylight on the twenty-ninth, the attack was resumed and continued throughout most of the day. The enemy were again repulsed with heavy loss, on the next day there was firing on both sides without conclusive results on the thirty-first general sherman sent in a flag of truce to bury the dead thereafter nothing important occurred until the latter part of january when the troops under general grant embarked at memphis and moved down the mississippi river to young's point on the louisiana shore a few miles above vicksburg the expected cooperation by his forces with those of Sherman had been prevented by the brilliant cavalry expedition under Van Dorn, which captured and destroyed the vast supplies collected at Holly Springs for the use of Grant's forces in the land movement referred to. This compelled Grant to retreat to Memphis, and frustrated the combined movement which had been projected, in connection with the river campaign, by Sherman, and a new plan of operations resulted therefrom, in which, however, still prominently appears the purpose of turning Vicksburg on the north. After General Grant, descending the Mississippi from Memphis, arrived, second of February, eighteen sixty three, in the neighborhood of Vicksburg and assumed command of the enemy's forces, an attempt was made by removing obstructions to the navigation of the Yazoo Pass and Coldwater, small streams which flow from the Mississippi into the Tallahatchie River to pass to the rear of fort pemberton at the mouth of the latter the never to be realized hope was to reduce that work and thus open the way down the yazoo river to the right flank of the defences of vicksburg at the same time another attempt was made by means of the network of creeks and bayous on the north side of the yazoo to pass around and enter the yazoo above haines's bluff but our sharpshooters availing themselves of every advantageous position picked off the men upon the boats, and Colonel, afterward General, Ferguson, with a few men and a section of field-pieces, so harassed and beset them that they were driven back utterly discomfited. Admiral Porter had, with his fleet, gone some distance up Deer Creek, and, but for the land forces sent to sustain him, would probably never have returned an adventurous party having passed in below him with axes to fell trees so as to prevent his egress. He is described as follows, quote, I soon found Admiral Porter, who was on the deck of one of his ironclads, with a shield made of the section of a smokestack, and I doubt if he was ever more glad to meet a friend than he was to see me. He explained that he had almost reached the rolling fork, when the woods became full of sharpshooters, who, taking advantage of trees, stumps, and the levee, would shoot down every man that poked his nose outside the protection of their armor. He informed me at one time things looked so critical that he had made up his mind to blow up the gunboats and to escape with his men through the swamp to the Mississippi River." Quote. This attempt to get through to Yazoo above Haines's bluff had so signally failed that the expedition was ordered back to the louisiana shore above vicksburg where they arrived on the twenty-seventh of march eighteen sixty three general grant was now in command of a large army holding various positions on the mississippi river opposite to vicksburg extending from milliken's bend above to new carthage below with a fleet of gunboats in the river above vicksburg and another some eight miles below Lieutenant General Pemberton's military district included Vicksburg, and Major General Gardner was in command at Port Hudson. These posts, as long as they could be maintained, gave us some control over the intermediate space of the river, about 260 miles in length, and to that extent secured our communication with the Trans-Mississippi. The enemy, after his repeated and disastrous attempts to turn the right flank of Vicksburg, applied his attention to the opposite direction. General Grant first endeavoured to divert the Mississippi from its channel, by cutting a canal across the peninsula opposite to Vicksburg, so as to make a practicable passage for transport vessels from a point above to one below the city. His attempt was quite unsuccessful, and, whatever credit may be awarded to his enterprise, none can be given to his engineering skill, as the direction given to his ditch was such that, instead of being washed out by the current of the river, it was filled up by its sediment. Another attempt to get into the Mississippi, without passing the batteries at Vicksburg, was by digging a canal to connect the river with the bayou in rear of Milliken's Bend, so as to have water communication by way of Richmond to New Carthage these indications of a purpose to get below vicksburg caused general pemberton early in february eighteen sixty three to attach brigadier-general john s bowen with his missouri brigade to grand gulf near the mouth of the big black and establish batteries there to command the mouth of that small river which might be used to pass to the rear of vicksburg and also by their fire to obstruct the navigation of the mississippi on the 19th of March the flagship of Admiral Farragut, with one gunboat from the fleet of New Orleans, passed up the river in defiance of our batteries, but on the 25th four gunboats from the upper fleet attempted to pass down and were repulsed, two of them completely disabled. On the 16th of April a fleet of ironclads with barges in tow, Admiral Porter commanding, under cover of the night ran the Vicksburg batteries one of the vessels was destroyed and another one crippled but towed out of range subsequently on the night of the twenty-sixth a fleet of transports with loaded barges was floated past vicksburg one or more of them was sunk but enough escaped to give the enemy abundant supplies below vicksburg and boats enough for ferriage uses on the 20th of April the movement of the enemy commenced through the country on the west side of the river, to their selected point of crossing below Grand Gulf. On the twenty-ninth, the enemy's gunboats came down and took their stations in front of our batteries and rifle-pits at Grand Gulf. A furious cannonade was continued for many hours, and the fleet withdrew, having one gunboat disabled, and otherwise receiving and inflicting but little damage. Among the casualties on our side was that of Colonel William Wade, the chief of artillery, an officer of great merit, alike respected and beloved, whose death was universally regretted. In a short time the fleet reappeared from behind a point which had concealed them from view. The gunboats now had transports lashed to their farther side, and, protected by their iron shields, ran by our batteries at full speed, losing but one transport on the way on the evening of the twenty ninth of april the enemy commenced ferrying over troops from the louisiana to the mississippi shore to a landing just below the mouth of bayou pierre general green with his brigade moved thither and when the enemy on the night of the thirtieth commenced his advance general green attacked him with such impressive vigor as to render their march both cautious and slow as additional forces came up green retired skirmishing in the meantime generals tracy and baldwin with their brigades had by forced marches joined general green and about daylight a more serious conflict occurred lasting some two hours and a half during which general tracy a distinguished citizen of alabama of whom patriotism made a soldier fell while gallantly leading his brigade on the unequal combat in which it was engaged. Step by step, disputing the ground, Green retired to the range of hills three miles southwest of Port Gibson, where General Bowen joined him and arranged a new line of battle. The enemy's forces were steadily augmented by the arrival of reinforcements from the rear. Our troops continued most valiantly to resist, until, between nine and ten o'clock, outflanked both on our right and left, their conditions seemed almost hopeless, when, by a movement to which desperation gave a power quite disproportionate to the numbers, the right wing of the enemy was driven back, and our forces made good their retreat across the bridge over Bayou Pierre. General Cockerell, commanding our left wing, led this forlorn hope in person, and to the fortune which favors the brave must be attributed the few casualties which occurred in a service so hazardous general bowen promptly entrenched his camp on the east side of bayou pierre and waited for future developments the relative forces engaged in the battle of the first of may were as nearly as i have been able to learn fifty five hundred confederates and twenty thousand federals fresh troops were reported to be joining grant's army and one of his corps had been sent to cross by a ford above, so as to get in rear of our position. The reinforcements which were en route to Bowen had not yet appeared so near as to give him assurance of cooperation. To divert notice of this movement to get in the rear of Bowen, on the morning of the second Grant ordered artillery fire to be opened on our entrenchments across Bayou Pierre it was quite ineffectual, and probably was not expected to do more than occupy attention. During the forenoon, Bowen sent a flag of truce to ask suspension of hostilities for the purpose of burying the dead. This was refused, and a demand made for surrender. That was as promptly as decidedly rejected, and, as the day wore away without the arrival of reinforcement, Bowen, under cover of night, commenced a retreat, his march being directed toward Grand Gulf. General Loring, with his division, soon joined him. Directions were sent to the garrison at Grand Gulf to dismantle the fortifications and evacuate the place. On the morning of the 3rd, General Grant commenced a pursuit of the retreating force, which, however, was attended with only unimportant skirmishes. Bowen, with the reinforcements which were marching to his support, Recrossed the Big Black at Hankinson's Ferry, and all, under the orders of General Pemberton, were assigned to their respective positions in the army he commanded End of section twenty five